try and find out where I was in the world sort of thing but then I had all this issues of like well you're not really good enough to do this you're not really good enough to do that uh, don't even bother trying to do this that's you know whether it's a dream or not uh, I wish now I could go back and talk to my former self and just say what would you say I would say uh, the dreams are what you make it and if you're willing to put in the hard work you will receive your dreams and I remember getting called in sitting down and we walked in and there was like six other people in that room it was like having our own entourage type thing and we were like this can't be good what stays for me because we hadn't done that much research and I I had done a little bit and I said unfortunately there isn't a stage five and I can just remember thinking my little boy was four at the time that I'm not going to make it to his fifth birthday we were given a card by Mellon with a phone number on uh, and we just left the hospital with no focus, no goal, no direction, no idea of what to do next. I believe that like, I took responsibility for putting myself in that stage four advanced incurable cancer category. Uh, that was me who got myself there. So I take full responsibility for my own cancer. Can you almost still pinpoint, I guess, that a point where you was like, that, that has got to be another answer? Or what, what was your next steps, I guess, after that initial phase? It was, uh, the, the one turning point was um, when we went to pick our little boy up from school. And, sorry, <laughs> me and my wife just stood there and looked at our little boy and went, we are going to fight this to the death. <laughs> I'm on a mission to help the world to see success differently. For sharing the stories of our guests, I hope to inspire those that listen. This is the Different Hats podcast, produced by H2 Productions. Hope you can join us on this journey. Okay, I'm just going to say something about one of our sponsors, Rivervale. The world of cars, vans and minibuses is often a pain point for many of us. The hassle of finding the right vehicle, let alone looking after it, are all more things to add to our lists as busy people. Rivervale's mission is to make motoring manageable, and that's why they provide leasing, purchasing, servicing and vehicle management. So whether you have one family car or a fleet of vans for your business, Rivervale are your trusted vehicle supplier. Visit www.rivervale.co.uk. Okay, let's jump back to the podcast. Okay, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Statistics state that one in two people will get diagnosed with cancer in the UK. In 2019, nearly 400,000 people were diagnosed with cancer. One of those people was my guest today. He's a dad, husband, storyteller, bespoke builder, ultra athlete, runner and a cancer survivor. This is a story of resilience, self-belief and never giving up. I'm delighted to welcome the very inspirational Marcus Jarvis to the podcast. Mate, how you doing? Thanks, Sam. I'm delighted to be here and be invited to actually come and talk on this podcast and I uh, really appreciate it and I've followed a lot of stuff that you've done and love all your work. Cheers, buddy. Mate, it's very kind. I love, look, we, we've got to know each other a little bit over the last couple of years through Justin and stuff and I've yeah. been at different events and... Um, 
I've heard you speak, and every time I just come away just in awe of of you and in your mindset and how you are as an individual and lust for life and um, I'm so so grateful for you coming on today and just being able to share that story with us I think and and I'm I'm 100% confident that it's going to inspire so many people so um, look we're, we're going to jump straight in we start with our life in 60 seconds because yeah. I want to give people a little bit of a picture really of, of you prior to um, getting diagnosed with cancer and and as always we start so our, our life in 60 seconds this first one I just want you to just as a snapshot just tell me something about your childhood and growing up and how to shape you I guess who you are today okay uh, yeah I was just an average uh, child when I was younger uh, I always hid in the background didn't want to bring too much attention to myself uh, I was quite shy uh, had, had difficulty uh, learning and reading and writing and sort of stuff like that so mm. When you got called up in class to actually uh, read out a paragraph, I used to just run out of the classroom sort of thing. And uh, yeah, it was really difficult for me when I uh, came through school. But I was pretty good at like uh, the carpentry side and the DIY, uh, sort of like the and the home ec sort of side of things, practical side of things. So I always shied away from the academic side and tried to do all the physical sides of things. So. Okay. Well, that actually leads us on nice. I mean, and I want to delve a little bit more into, I guess, your upbringing and um, you know family life and stuff like that. And like I say, just just to give people an idea and paint that picture of of just who you were as an individual growing up and what your aspirations were and what you wanted to do when you grew up. And because you've been, you was a builder, obviously, yeah. as a trade yeah. and stuff. So yeah, just to take us a little bit on that journey and tell yeah. us a little bit more about. Yeah, I had a really, really nice uh, child upbringing. I've got a younger brother, two years younger than me, uh, loving parents. We were always playing football or in the garden. And uh, like uh, my dad was a, a pattern engineer. Um, carpenter so I learned quite a bit from him on the tools and the chisels even when I was really young there's a nice picture of me knocking down uh, our garden wall with a hammer and bolster <laughs> <laughs> which my parents were not grateful for and uh, my mum she used uh, like um she was really good. She was really practical and everything else. So, yeah. like cleaning the house, and uh, she even hung the wallpaper, and so I, that's where I learned the wallpaper inside of things from, and sort of yeah. stuff like that. So, but yeah, we had a really loving family uh, upbringing, sort of thing. So. And, that's, uh, and just touching, I guess, on the education side of it, and I go. People who come on often, I often get on not me high horse, but I talk about the education system a lot because, like you said, you've built a career of being a builder and. Mm. Them, that practical side of, of stuff and academically maybe didn't engage that well with school because school's not designed for if we're not academic then no. it's not You're designed pushed for to one side yeah. yeah that is the biggest problem i was always pushed into the dunce corner and uh sort of like i had my had to find my own way through the school and i did rebel quite a mm. bit uh, I never really in trouble that much but you know I was always in detention which I never turned up to because mm. I just leave school sort of thing and uh, yeah because <laughs> it's just fascinating because I can't tell you how many people I've had on and I speak to them about their takeaway from school and actually I just didn't engage in it and yet no matter what we, we still have got this archaic system that has not being looked at and, you yep. know actually we can't um that person's not engaging in that yeah, way. Yeah. So we're just going to keep doing the same thing. And like yeah. you said, you, you as a... And I'll, I'd be interested to know uh, what impact, I guess, that had on you in your adult life of going, 
because you like you, you just alluded to seeing as a dunce or whatever and yeah. you, you're labelled almost as a failure yeah. your first taste of the world is actually you're not really good at what we're asking you to do so yeah. you're in that camp and yeah. you're seen as a failure I mm-hmm. mean does that from a I guess from a mindset point of view as you go into adulthood did that affect you in any way or did what yeah was I felt very vulnerable and very uh, unconfident with a lot of different things so I just chose to uh sort of try and find out where I was in the world sort of thing but then I had all this issues of like well you're not really good enough to do this you're not really good enough to do that uh don't even bother trying to do this that's you know whether it's a dream or not uh I wish now I could go back and talk to my former self and just say what would you say I would say uh the dreams are what you make it and if you're willing to put in the hard work you will receive your dreams and that's what I would actually say to myself and slap myself in the face as well. <laughs> wow. Wow. I love that. I love that. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm wondering, I'm assuming, obviously with kids as well, like, is that the message I guess you give give to yeah, them? Yeah, I've uh, got um, my little boy is now eight years old and uh, I'm always with him and like he wants a Lamborghini. <laughs> and, uh, he wants a green Lamborghini, specific <laughs> to which one he wants. And I was like, right, we will put in motion goals to be able to get that car that you want sort of thing and it's a fact of you know don't ever if you never get the car it doesn't matter it's the fact that you tried to get to where you are to be able to afford that car and I just installed it into him as much as I can that uh, consistency it has to it's not going to come easy you have to work day in and day out and work smart and work out how you're going to get that money so that's really yeah. I'm I'm the same with mine. I'm off always talking to them about just just trying to give them that self belief that you can mm. you can achieve anything if you really put your mind to it. Like you can achieve anything and go out there yeah. and and do that. And whether it be like you know, I'm sure as he gets older, maybe that as a material thing that a, a go or it might yeah. not, and he might still get it. He may yeah. well get it. But yeah. actually, like you said, whatever that is, whatever mm. that goal, I guess the key and one thing I've learned from this podcast the most is that it's so important in business in life we've got to set ourselves goals of course we do but it's actually recognizing that that goal or that achievement isn't necessarily the euphoria moment that we promise ourselves but as long as you're on that process consistency as you alluded to already as long as on that process you're enjoying all that on the way to get into wherever that as soon as you get there you get a green lamborghini yeah it wants got a purple one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? so right. We always yeah. move in things, but like I, I, I get the the context of it. Trying to go, actually, there's something I'm striving for, believing I can get it, and then working backwards, like yeah. you say, going right. How do I get there? Yeah, step by step, and taking yeah. those. Yeah. I guess that's the same with anything in life. Isn't it? It's small steps. Exactly, small steps. And I wish I'd have known that before I got cancer. Yeah. Uh, so, because that would have made my life probably a lot different to what it is now. So I'd have made different choices and uh, made uh, better health decisions and everything else. I think so. Okay. Okay. Well, look, we mentioned that, and let's, if we, if we can, mate, let's delve into that a little bit. If we could take me back, obviously, to to twenty nineteen. You obviously go in see the doctor and you know you get that news that none of us ever want to hear no. but can you can you just share that sort of experience with us and 
what that was like at that time. Yeah, I remember um, going for tests and then I went uh, to the um, doctors for a CT, well, it's hospital for the CT scan. Mm. And I remember the, it was uh, yesterday, uh, four years ago, was the anniversary that uh, we got called into the hospital uh, and it's actually our wedding anniversary today. So you can imagine oh, wow. four years ago, our wedding anniversary after getting that news was just <laughs> mind-blowing. But I remember me and my wife walking in and sitting in the waiting room for that oncology office. And I remember getting called in, sitting down, and we walked in and there was like six other people in that room it was like having our own entourage type thing and we were like this can't be good not if there's this many people in one room just yeah. to talk to two people and i remember the oncologist um saying look we've done the biopsy uh we've done the scan and we have found uh pancreatic stem cells within the tumor that we've done the biopsy on uh and they said we suspect it's uh pancreatic uh, cancer was secondary on the liver and he said unfortunately it's stage four advanced incurable and all we can do is put you on palliative chemo and assign you to a hospice and I remember my wife saying that holding my hand and just like we just broke down and I remember my wife saying to me it goes saying to the doctor well what does stage four mean because we hadn't done that much research. And I ha I had done a little bit, and I said, unfortunately, there isn't a stage five. And I can just remember thinking, my little boy was four at the time, that I'm not going to make it to his fifth birthday. And, <laughs> and that was a pretty powerful day when we came out of there. And we just walked up the corridor of the hospital going, what do we do? What do we do? We were given a card by McMillan with a phone number on, uh, and we just left the hospital with no focus, no goal, no direction, no idea of what to do next sort of thing. So, so yeah, that was that day. <laughs> Pretty, oh, that was four years ago. Four years ago, yeah. Uh, right. And I'd done well not to cry there. Yeah, Too mate. bad. I, I choked a little bit. Mate. Yeah. Because it's hard like, to, to even, I guess for so many people, hard to even comprehend those words someone yeah. sitting in mm -hmm. front of you and like you say with your with your partner there and 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 obviously having a young child as well and just go, oh, I'm, I'm just keen to like like you said as you you come away from that when you, you both go home sit down and have to try and process that I guess yeah. in your your head what what sort of things were you able to process and where can you, can you almost still pinpoint, I guess, that a point where you was like, that, that has got to be another answer? Or what, what was your next steps, I guess, after that initial phase? It was uh, the, the one turning point was um, when we went to pick our little boy up from school. And, sorry, mm. <laughs> me and my wife just stood there and looked at our little boy and went, we are going to fight this to the death. And we're going to put every single ounce of energy into finding out what annoys cancer. And we are going to do it no matter what it is. And then we took our little boy home 
and we explained to him that you know I'd been to hospital uh, and I was going to have medicine and and everything else to sort of help that I was going to become very sick I'd possibly spend a lot of time in bed uh, possibly lose my hair and um, like and we said to him I said look we're going to still do everything we can I mean a four year old little boy sort of doesn't really (laughs) understand that much but I always remember him saying that to mo- his uh, to mommy uh, saying, "Daddy's just got a bad plant growing in his tummy that we need to sort out." Sort of. <laughs> so yeah, that was just so cute, and it was a case of like it was that when me and my wife just stood hand in hand looking at this poor innocent little boy, and we were like, "There's got to be hope. There's got to be a chance. There's no way that that little boy can be left." without someone to look after him for both of us sort of thing. So, and that was our turning point. And that was when we decided that there wasn't anything in this world that we were not willing to try. And we went home, we studied cancer so much, it's unreal. And the funny story about being dyslexic, the first book I ever ordered was a book called The Truth About Cancer. And when it came through on Amazon, it was like this thick. It's like <laughs> two inches thick. And I remember saying to my wife, said, because I'm so slow at reading, I'm going to be dead before I finish this book. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, right, what can we do? So we went uh, Audible. And I got it on Audible and someone read it to me within 10 hours. And the takeaways from that book I got and then I started reading other books like Chris Beats Cancer and uh, Jane uh, How to Starve Cancer then I met some fantastic people like James Boardman his uh, The State of Mind book uh, Wim Hof I read his book about cold exposure and it just set everything up and I read a cookbook called How Not to Die so it was a case of, right, okay, mindset's there. We've got all the cold therapy there. We've got the ex, uh, um, Ross Edgley. I read his book uh, uh, about like physical exercise and everything else. And obviously um, diet. So we just started putting everything into place. And then we found out about Tai Chi, meditation, uh, yoga, uh, acupuncture, homeopath, and you name it, uh, SEXT, coffee enemas, everything. We were like, right, we're going to throw everything at that, as well as chemotherapy as well. So, so yeah, that wow. was our turning point. Hi. Wow. Mm. Mate, <laughs> take, I, I mean, I'm really interested to because listening to you talk like that, and just grabbing life and going, we're not going to let this beat us and, and you're going to research it. So just talk to me, just prior to previous that, your your life prior to that, mindset-wise, diet, those type of things, yeah. what, was that ever... Where was you on that beforehand? I was a... I shouldn't, like, uh, put builders in the category, but I was a typical builder down the calf and uh, uh, bacon sandwiches and uh, bad diet, too much stress and trying to get jobs done and uh, trying to, uh, like, juggle so many different things and um, being under a lot of pressure and down the bakers, uh, too much sugar and... um, 
yeah, not enough sleep, yeah. uh, too many quotes to write and everything else. And that was when I believe that, like, I took responsibility for putting myself in that stage four advanced incurable cancer category. Uh, that was me who got myself there. So I take full responsibility for my own cancer. Right. Do you realise that the... That's really interesting because obviously we can all, you know, we all read stuff and we all go, oh, you know, it's not going to happen to us or, yeah. you know, I'm, eat certain things or I watch a little bit or I don't exercise enough and mm. all them things, you know, everything. But it's really interesting that you're, because cancer just doesn't, you know, it, it picks anyone, right? But yeah. But you're, you're, you're saying that you've taken responsibility for that. You're saying that it was like almost your fault that you got. Yeah. Okay, is that yeah. what you're trying to say? Yeah, that's what I'm basically trying. I Well, a lot of people say otherwise, but the situation, I had to stress myself out enough to eat the wrong diet, to be in the wrong mindset. Something had to break. Something had to give me a sign as to say, look, you're going down the processed food diet too much you're having too many mcdonald's i shouldn't say but you know i shouldn't be eating that type of food and because i wasn't listening to my body my body was like right i'm going to show you a sign right and i'm going to show you a sign properly smack you in the face with a steam train because you're not listening you're not doing enough exercise you're not looking after yourself you're not uh eating the right foods and everything else some people get away with it but unfortunately, I was the one that my cancer cells went, whoa, I can't deal with this anymore. You're putting the wrong stuff in, so I'm going to give you the wrong stuff out. And that's basically what it is. It's the same as putting diesel in a petrol car. You're not sure. going to get the right results, sort of thing. And that's basically what happened to, to me. So I looked at it as, I mean, I shouldn't, possibly people say I shouldn't take responsibility for it, but that gave me the turning point. It was like, right, if I got myself into this position, how do I get myself out of it? And I, it's the same as if you get myself into debt, how am I going to get out of it? Five pound at a time, one pound at a time. And it's a step-by-step process. And that's the idea I took with my cancer journey. So if I was going to do a 100K race, I'd never look at it as a 100K race. I'd only ever look at it as 1K race 100 times. So all I've got to do is get to that 1K. And that was one of the things that James Boardman had in his book was the 1% rule. Tomorrow, I'm going to be 1% better. And each day, you progress to that case. of, And then in a year, you're 365% better than what you were when you started. That's such a brilliant... Like I say, for me, just as a... Just listening in, and I spoke, a lot of our listeners as well, listening in, looking and going, how much you can relate that to anything in your life, mm. that whatever it is that you want to try and achieve yep. or what you want to try and get out of or yep. in a position how we can change our lives. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's not sometimes going... I want to get right. I want to get there. Yeah. It's how do I get like even like yeah. you mentioned right at the first bit with your son and a Lamborghini. Okay, it's great that you want to get that. Yeah. How are we going to get there? What's mm-hmm. them steps and stages and looking yeah. at each, just those small little small little steps every single day. Yeah. And yeah. The consistency and mm-hmm. that's how we. Yeah. Develop and. Yeah. And I think with cancer as well because it's such a scary word that if you actually look at your cancer journey and how far. In it, it took me two years to beat my cancer, and it like that focus of like those 
two, if I looked at two years' time and I, oh my God, that's so far away. But I looked at it, right, what can I do today? Okay, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go for a cold shower. I'm going to go for a run. Uh, and I ended up, I remember walking and I had 35 rounds of chemo, bearing in mind. I started to walk and um, then I read about exercise and how it moves the chemotherapy around your body helps flow for your blood and everything else same as tai chi and so i started walking i remember one day thinking i wonder if i can run so i ran i probably ran 200 meters and i had to go home and literally sit down and have a cup of tea and then but the next day i went you're going to put your trainers back on and you're going to go out and do 250 meters and i did and then the next day, it was 300 metres, 500 metres. And I was like, right, OK, I'm at the stage now. I need a goal. So I booked myself a 5K race. And I was like, right, I'm going to go and do that 5K race. Whether I'm still on chemo, I'm going to go and do it. So I did. I turned up and I'd done the 5K race. And I was like, right, next day, I 10K race. I booked myself a 10K race. And then a half marathon. And I remember uh, booking and getting to the stage where I completed the half marathon. And I broke down in tears on this finish line. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe what I achieved. And I was like, right, okay, that's that goal done. Let's set another goal. So I booked myself a marathon. And I actually turned up on the day of the marathon. I had uh, chemotherapy on the Friday. And my chemotherapy consisted of six hours infusion through a pick line in the hospital. Then they used to give me a 48-hour slow infusion pump with chemotherapy on my belt. And I turned up on the race line uh, Saturday morning still with the chemotherapy pump on. And I ran that marathon that day. And I turned... <laughs> and I'd done, uh, done giraflons. Uh, whilst having chemotherapy and my furthest run ever on chemotherapy was 55k across the South Downs so it's just a case of I started off at 200 metres and I ended up running 55k and that was the the case but I ran 2,500 miles within that time of having chemotherapy what was the time scale between the 250 metres and the, and the 55k, how, how long roughly was that? It was, uh, I was diagnosed 2019, uh, November, uh, well, October, yesterday, um, and I started obviously walking straight away, but I didn't start running until December, and I ran that marathon, uh, the first marathon in March of 2020, something like wow. that. Yeah. So About three, four months. Four months, yeah. yeah. No, it was 21, so it had been a year and a half, half but yeah. I'd already run a couple of... Because we went through lockdown and everything yeah, else. Course, yeah, so yeah. I had actually gone out and run unofficial marathons on my own because obviously yeah. we weren't allowed to talk to anyone. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, 21 when I went and done that marathon. So so yeah, a year, year and a... Just over a year that I went and done it. On chemotherapy as well. So I used to run to hospital and have chemotherapy and then run home. <laughs> the nurses thought I was insane. That's what I was going to ask. Like, what, what the, the medical staff and stuff, what what was their take on your attitude and what you was doing and how you was doing? Was they encouraging that or going, like, actually, 
shouldn't really be doing that or i shouldn't really be doing it i sh- yeah i should be resting and because uh, obviously the chemicals that they're putting in my system and my body i should be resting but the thing was because i was doing the i don't know if you ever heard of the wim hof uh breath work uh which helps boost uh, blood cells and everything else and obviously chemotherapy destroys blood cells so I had more energy because of that I was having cold showers every single day uh, and I kept all my hair through chemo as well uh, and um, uh, I think the chemo is on you don't lose as much hair but my hair never had any trouble with it whatsoever so I'd done cold uh, cold therapy cold baths ice uh, baths as well um, and I was told by my oncologist not to touch anything cold, uh, even to get plastic knives and forks because metal knives and forks would have been too cold for my fingers. Sort of thing. And there's my wife. I remember a story. It was in February. It was minus two, uh, and my wife couldn't find me in the in the house. And she poked her head out of the door and went, "No, you won't be out here." And there I was sitting in the um, deck chair outside with my hands and feet in buckets of ice water and she just shook her head and went what am I going to do with him sort of thing and that was the other thing with um, having support around me like that was incredible because my wife could have like phoned the doctors and said look this guy's chemically insane I need to do something about him because he's doing all this crazy stuff sort of thing but she didn't she supported me every single step of the way and she was like I can see the results you're getting fitter and healthier and obviously the diet as well i was eating very very clean food no processed foods no sugars no dairy products no meats no nothing Uh, i went total plant-based sort of thing but that seemed to give me the energy to be able to um do the things i did i still felt sick still felt i was gonna say because i mean look my understanding of chemo and speaking to people that have done it and seeing people that have been through it and you zapped of energy you know yeah just, yeah you know feeling sick and yeah. etc but so you still felt like that but you then still push through and right yeah. like what yeah yeah i had to i literally i some mornings i'd get up and i'd sit on the side of the bed and i'd be putting my trainers on and i'd feel sick nauseous bang and headache no energy whatsoever couldn't even reach down because every time i reached down to put my shoes on my head would like bang 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 because i was leaning forward and i was like there's other people out there worse off than you mate so just shut up get your trainers on and get out the door if you're too tired when you come back you can go for a sleep because you've earned your sleep but right now you haven't earned it so you don't deserve it so get your ass out there and my wife was always like if you spoke to your friends the same way as you speak to yourself you would not have no <laughs> friends i was pretty harsh with myself right. but is that it'd be it's just interesting to i guess tap into to that again that mindset side of things just a couple of things i want to touch on one i guess that that constant message in your head because you had a wire, right? Yeah. Like everything we need in life, we talk about, you know, whether it's a, whether it's your business, home life, whatever it is, what, what's, what's your why, what's your purpose? And yeah. as you, you know, kindly shared that moment that you stood in front of your son and you yeah. go, yeah. that's my why. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not putting words, but I'm, I'm assuming listening to that story and how you've shared it, 
my assumption would be that you, anytime you felt low or you felt down, the wire would kick in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife will be there uh, in my vision. My son will be there in my vision. My family will be there in my vision. And every single step was, I was doing this for myself to be the fittest person I could for them. So I I was quite selfish in the fact of I need to do this, go for a run, uh, have the uh, food and everything else. So I was almost like, if I don't do this, I'm not going to be here. Uh, so I'm not going to be the fittest person for the rest of my family. Uh, but they were fully supportive with that, which was having that support around you was just incredible because so many people will go oh you sure you should be doing this you know and i don't i've read stats on this that and everything else but the only problem is they are stats at the end of the day and stats can be proven wrong and i think that was one of my goals to go against everything that everyone was saying around me and just pushing to see what I was capable of. Like David Goggins, yeah. literally just going, right, okay, you may think your day is bad. Wait until you've pushed yourself and then see how you feel type thing. And that was that type of, I don't care what you're, what you're, what you're going through right now. The only way, the only question you need to ask yourself is, can you take one more step? And the answer is always yes just that one more step you know because you just don't know what's around the corner you know and fortunately for me um each time i went back for the scans uh i remember my first three month scan one of my tumors was uh, 10 centimeters across uh on my liver and uh the scan shoe that it re- already reduced to 7.5 centimeters within three months and i was like right we're going in the right direction and that just gave me that extra boost and uh, I remember someone saying to me goes what would you have done if the results weren't good and I said I would have gone home and tried harder because obviously I'm missing something and I and it was that I think that attitude that I had was okay one percent James Boardman type thing you know you've got to find that one percent within that day just to push yourself out a little bit more I love that. And it, there's, so, there's so many things to take away from from what, how you're describing, how you're talking about stuff. Especially like people, like I said, a lot of a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, business yeah. owners, and yeah. in that space. But even even like one thing I really resonate with there is that you go and how many entrepreneurs and business owners have got to be like this, and the, some of the most successful are like this is because you go, as you've just said, that actually stats or this is what everyone else is doing this yeah. is what's going on this is what's people mm-hmm. being successful in. but i'm going to do something completely opposite i'm yeah. going to look at that and i'm going to go against the grain yeah. and i'm going to yeah. and that's how i'm going to be it mm-hmm. not going to follow the herd but i'm going to i'm, I'm going to go against that yeah now, but you relate that to a business yeah. thing that's where you know you, your mark zuckerbergs yeah, and your, yeah yeah elon musk and people like that because mm-hmm. they will go actually everyone's going left so i'm going to yeah. go right yeah and yeah and I'm going to take yeah. a different path. And yeah. that's, what, that's what I find, listening to you talk and how you're talking about it and describing it, that's what I find fascinating. Yeah. That, but know. the thing is, is people are too quick to jump on, oh, why would you want to do that? That's already failed in this situation. That's already failed. 
yeah, but it might not fail in my situation. That's why I'm going to go and do it. But too many people will listen to other people and not, like I said, you know, your goal, your dream is your dream. The only way you're going to get to that dream is if you make it yourself. That's it. You know, you can have all the people. People told me to sit down. You know, people told me to stop doing what I was doing. But I didn't listen because I had the support around me, luckily, that said, no, we'll give it a go. Go see the homeopath. You know? What then, what, what then did the, the, the doctors It must have been, because they're, they're telling you not to do that, potentially, and then you're going and doing it. So when you do go back and actually they look at the results, what was their take on it? Their take was I responded far beyond their expectation on chemotherapy. And that, that, that was their take on it. So they, they didn't take anything into consideration that I ran two and a half thousand miles or anything like that. So, but the, the latest oncologist I had, she was pretty good because she was like, okay, tumors are shrunk. I've spoke to Guildford and they can now do an operation. So I actually had surgery um, July 21 uh, and they took the last six tumors out uh, of me and when they tested them those six were dead completely tumors were just uh had no live cancer cells in but there was just one that had cancer cells in and um they tested it and said unfortunately there's still cancer there uh, and uh, we're going to have to do another six rounds of chemo and then go back in for surgery. And I always remember talking to my oncologist and said, is there any possible way I could get rid of that last tumour so I don't have to have surgery? She was like, no, I reckon you're going to have to have surgery. I'd done the six rounds of chemo and I carried on running and uh, over that period, carried on ice baths, cold exposure, homeopath, uh, you name it, I chucked at it. And when I went back for my final scan before I... Um, Oh, before they decided about surgery, she said, please to say it's gone. She said, you are cancer-free, that thing. And that was two years ago. Why? Like we talk about achieving goals, euphoria moments. And and again, I often speak on here that, you know, sometimes it's not always that euphoria moment when you get there from a business point of view, I guess... Relating it to this, though, in a completely different aspect, what was that? What was that moment like? The day that you, because that's got to be. I always had. I I said to my wife that I've got a vision of my oncologist sitting the other side of my of the desk, and they'll turn around and say, "Mr. Jarvis, I am pleased to say you are cancer free," and I never left that visualization i always kept that with me so sorry and every step i took i said there was another cancer cell dead uh, every piece of broccoli i ate straight out of the fridge there's another cancer cell dead so every single thing had a process to beat in cancer every time i went to chemotherapy that was another load of cancer cells dead but i also done a lot alongside the chemo like fasting uh, which is supposed to help boost the potency of the chemotherapy. I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor. Yeah, 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 so yeah, sure, sure, sure. But yeah. There's no, I, I've, heard, I've heard that. I've, I've, seen, I've watched a couple of things. Um, what's his name? Chris Hemsworth yep, has yes. done, he, he done a, something called Limitless. Uh, That's a it, yeah, really yeah, interesting yeah. series. But he does mm-hmm. extremely the cold water swimming. Yep, and he yes. does... Um, 
Um, he does fasting and stuff like that. And they they talk about the science behind it and, yeah. and how fasting can regenerate those mm-hmm. cells and etc. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm. Uh, um, now I'm cancer free, but I'm also in prevention mode. So I am still doing everything that I used to do whilst I was going through chemo and cancer and everything else. Yeah. Uh, I still run every single day uh, or do some kind of exercise. Uh, and like I say, I've got a 55 miler coming up uh, across the South Downs, as you do. Uh, that was actually, I brought that for myself for my birthday because my birthday's in December. So, so yeah, a little present. A, a little pre- <laughs> yeah, what's your present? Yeah, I'm going to run 55 miles. Yeah, yeah, right. and that was that was it. And I'm going to raise some money for for Wolo, which is a fantastic charity that helped me all the way through the. Yeah, you know, t- well, thing, t- so. talk to because obviously you do, you you're doing some work with Wolo at the moment yeah. as well, aren't you? I know yeah. that's how we met through through Justin and yeah, and, yeah, and, and the, the foundation. business network and. Yeah, t- tell me a little bit about uh, about the foundation, I guess. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, Wolo is a cancer charity uh, local to East Sussex. Uh, they help families all over Sussex uh, going through a cancer journey, whether it's the child that's going through cancer or the adults that are going through cancer. Um, they support with loads of different things, like if you need a cleaner for your health. They'll organise and pay for a cleaner for your house. If you need a plumber to change your shower, they'll organise that. If you need a lift to like somewhere uh, for an operation, they'll organise that. If you need a respite, uh, they work with a lot of local companies uh, which have like um, cabins and things like that and little uh, chalets and stuff like that. You can go stay in, so you can get a little, little uh, respite away from everything and uh therapy um and food uh we've got a um whatsapp chat which is like a a food channel where we we discuss like different uh health meals and sort of stuff like that we run a wellness uh course which is all to do with breath work cold exposure yoga and just looking after yourself because so, uh, you're going through a really, really rubbish time yeah. with a diagnosis, with chemotherapy, with hair loss, with this and everything else, that you need someone in your corner to just say, right, okay, we can do this, this and this sort of thing. So, I guess surrounding yourself with a community of people that, like you say, can relate, yep. and can resonate with yep. what where, where you're going through. Because someone, I guess, that hasn't, been through cancer it's more difficult for them to resonate with it yes. of course it is they yeah. don't know mm. physically what you're going through mentally yeah. and emotionally yeah. and all of those things but of course they can be supportive to mm. a degree but actually i guess for as an individual to be able to share those stories with people that are going through the same yeah. must be a, yeah. a huge thing. i mean i'm a i'm a huge fan of what what justin and fleur are, yeah are absolutely there. amazing yeah, yeah, they're so, they're uh, incredible people yeah and, uh, yeah yeah justin's just ran 100 miles in africa uh <laughs> with a load of other people uh trekking and walking uh out there to raise money for Wola, which obviously helps different families we just had an event called uh, wolo fest so we get like uh, a load of like musicians and like different bouncy castles games and everything else we invite all the families there so everyone there is affected by cancer you're not the odd one out type thing and that's really nice community to just have an evening around the fire like have music playing by like a band and sort of stuff like that so so yeah because mm. I, I guess that's the thing. Like when, some of the statistics when I, I shared in that introduction, I think one thing that really 
blew me away was when we, we was at the foundation ball and I think Fleur was at the front and she, she said, stand up if you, you know, if you've had cancer, yep. then it was stand up if you knew, knew some, someone that yep. had yep. had yep. cancer, someone yep. that passed away from cancer and yep. literally yep. by the end everyone in the room was standing up and yep. you're just like, that's, yeah. that's how impactful it is. So everyone, whoever you are, someone has been affected or knows someone that's been affected exactly. by cancer yep. in some way. So yeah. it's such a, but, and I, and I guess with that in mind, the majority then of our, where all of our listeners will be listening and think so it's okay I guess from just in life in general what would you say to people whether you've been diagnosed with cancer or just in a bit of a dark space what from a mindset point of view what what, what could what would you say to people from from that advice wise that you could give them there's always someone out there to hold your hand they're always someone that you can turn to uh, and it's asking for help, which we're as a society, we're told like growing up, you know, buck up your ideas and uh, stiff up a lip type thing. Whereas I think nowadays the society is a little, getting a little bit uh, more engaged with each other to help more. And um, I think everyone needs to jump on that uh, bandwagon of like, coming together and I'm giving everyone a hug and sort of just saying you know I'm here you know not everything's going to be all right because it might not be all right you know it's a fact of being there for someone can make so much difference just having that friend that voice that you know I quite often say to people my emails there if you want to rant just send me a rant I'll get back to you and stuff like that it's just having that voice to listen to you know that that hope and the, you know that is all it is if you can hold on to that little bit of hope just to say that you know i'm gonna give this a go and that's the thing it's giving it a go it might not work but it's giving it a go and that's all i thought i thought to myself i'm gonna try to be the fittest healthiest person for what i've got left for my little boy and for my wife to stand there and be proud of all, all of us as a family and that was what drove me on to get fitter and fitter and fitter. And like I say, I used to run the hospital and get chemo and then run home. So. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be really keen. Did, was there ever, because we all have good days, bad days, and I'm sure, and, and stuff like that, but did, did you ever allow your mind to go to that place that you, you, I can't do this anymore? Was there them days where you had, like, I, just, I can't do this anymore? Or, did you ever did you just not allow yourself to go to that point? The the thoughts did come in. Obviously, I used to wake up in cold sweats thinking I was in a coffin and things like that. And just like, well, right, it's only a dream. It's only your mind playing tricks on you. To Just because you've been told this information, it's not actually what it could be. You can change that. And that was the thought. Every time it came in of, oh, I've been assigned to a hospice, you know, and... I've only got a few weeks to live and things like this. I was like, right, okay, if I've only got a few weeks to live, I'm going to make the most of it, of what I've got. But if I can prolong that to a few weeks, to a few months, to a few years, that was almost like a challenge for me to just, right, okay, you told me this, I'm going to do that. 
so I will I mean obviously I listened to the doctors and I had the chemotherapy but I done all the stuff I could alongside what they could because doctors are not there they're only there to assist you you have to do something yourself and I think the stats are that 60% of people just say to a doctor you know here's my life help me but the doctor can't do everything the doctor needs your help to be able to have some input and that's the way we went straight into it and worked alongside them and I I guess again this back to the lessons from from life for life I guess it's the lessons you talk it's about the the accountability side of it isn't it that's where what I'm taking from it listening to you talk just going look I've asked I've asked for help that's the tick great you know what I mean I need some help with this Mm -hmm. you're going to need the chemo that's something you can't do you've got to get the chemo from the hospital and the doctors there's certain things that I but all this other stuff that sits over here, mm-hmm. I'm going to do everything I possibly can yeah. to yeah. give give myself the best opportunity to to, mm-hmm. to achieve them things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like an athlete, and you know, if they want to win a medal, they'll get up at four in the morning and they'll start training. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing; it's pushing yourself to that uh, boundaries, that limit. Of I used to get up. Well, I still do. I get up at five o'clock every morning. Uh, and I'll meditate for 10, 15 minutes or do the Wim Hof breath work or have a nice bath. Then I'll go and run six miles with a group of people in Hailsham where I live, uh, six AMers. We're out yeah. one hour chatting away, everything else. And I only ever train in a pair of shorts, no matter what the weather, whether it's <laughs> snowing, I'm still out there just in a pair of shorts uh, running around. And it's quite funny what people think where I am in my little town is uh, they think I'm mental sort of thing so but i'm here because of it because that was another form of cold exposure yeah, it was another sure. form of boosting your immune system because obviously the cold helps uh, uh inflammation within your system and obviously cancer is uh, a disease which thrives on your body being less fit so the more fitter you are the less likely you are going to have cancer the more you put good fuel in you're going to get good fuel out it's the same as like as went back to a car yeah, yeah. if you put diesel in a petrol petrol in a diesel you're not going to get the results whereas if you start putting the right fuel in you're going to get the right results out and i found that the the better i ate the better i meditated the less stressed i was the more energy i had day in and day out uh, throughout and I never procrastinated whereas before I used to like oh, I'm a bit scared to make that forum call I'm a bit scared to do this but as soon as I got cancer it woke me up and I was like right you don't have time to procrastinate you've only got a few weeks so you need to make decision right here right now and Mel Robbins was another person who'd done the five second rule yeah. you know so every time I feel myself a little bit nervous I go five four three two one get it done and that's it I'll get it done I'll I'll go out and do it whatever it needs to be so, <laughs> so from I guess from obviously your cancer but your life your mindset how you are as an individual has changed massively you've yeah. changed your mindset completely yeah. in yeah. regards to all of those things and I'd be keen just to 
just to tap, I know you mentioned about the cold water therapy and the Wim Hof stuff because you, you've had a conversation with Wim Hof. Yes, you, and yeah, I've done a podcast, done a podcast with him with and I met him face to face as well. And I'm now trained as a Wim Hof instructor as well. Wow. So, so. wow. Uh, mm. That's incredible because I mean, not I mean, most people are, I'm sure in listening would have would have heard of him, but the I guess the whole the benefits of cold water therapy but not not just for cancer but for yeah. life in general right yeah. there's yeah. so many yeah yeah so many benefits to well, it's there's so many sportsmen out there because obviously you're running, you're you're tennis, you're you're weightlifting, so you're you're pulling muscles, you're you're breaking fibres and everything else, and that helps to reduce the inflammation within the muscles, uh, which helps you repair quicker and earlier. And I mean, I ran a hundred k race uh, on a Sunday, and then by Tuesday I was back running six miles, just because, <laughs> like having that like uh, good healthy input. Plenty of sleep, uh, plenty of sleep, uh, meditation, tai chi, uh, practice like yoga, stretching, uh, good healthy diet, ice baths, and yeah, like I say, Tuesday morning I was back out. I took one day's rest. Sort of thing, so. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I shouldn't have had that one day's rest. I still beat myself up for it. So, all right. Well, I'm, I'm going to let you off that. One, I'm going to let you off that. Wow, mate, that's that's incredible. And it's I've been, uh, uh, there's a couple of things because obviously I've started to get into the cold yeah. water therapy and mm-hmm. the Wim Hof stuff. I've been doing a lot of sea swimming, and obviously it's lovely at the moment. It's not yeah. even cold, but no, no, <laughs> but right. I'm planning on keeping up through the winter. But I've been yeah. doing the cold showers and trying to do the yeah. breathing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, from a mental health point of view you just feel a million you feel a million dollars in the morning yeah you do yeah it's just afterwards coming out of no matter what happens throughout that day if you've had uh, an ice bath you're like I've had an ice bath this morning it's like (laughs) nothing else can faze me and that's the thing you you put yourself in that uh, stressor situation which you can control because if you get too stressed in the cold water, you can just get out, plain and simple. But doing that over a period of time, you then become, when your kids won't get dressed for school, because you think on an average day, people's alarms going off, the coffee machine's not working, the kids are running around not having breakfast, they won't get changed, you know, they won't get in the car. And that's all before you even got out of the bloody house. So you think how much stress that is. So if you wake up, go and have an ice bath or a cold shower, and the kids are like, meh, 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 you're like, and... It doesn't matter. Just it sets you up, yeah. yeah, it sets you up for the day or even whenever. So if you have a, a cold shower once they've all gone to school and you've dropped them off or in the evening, you've had that stressor training within your system. Yeah. So when you get up the next day and everything's going frantic, you're like, still yeah, yeah. 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 And, and meditation as well. I'll be keen to tap into about that because it's something I really, really struggle with. Like, mm. um, I've started it this year, first yeah. time. I've done like a 30-day course in January and and I've kept it up, but not every day, but yeah. I try and, you know, a few times a week, I at least try and do 10 minutes. But yeah. I really I really struggle with it. Like, how have you, because did you meditate before? No, no, I oh, never okay. meditated, never done Tai Chi, never meditated yeah. or anything else, but obviously I read about the benefits of, um, like meditation, Tai Chi, keeping everything moving throughout your Chi, throughout your system. Uh, and I always look at it as like, if you're moving, you're a flowing river. If you're like, um, like if your thoughts of like procrastination, you're stagnant. So you then become a stagnant pond. So you have to have the focus to, to move on with your life. So meditation, I find that helps clear my mind 
to actually think about the problems. I never go completely blank. Mm. I always think, right, okay, I need to pump the tire up on the car. So once I've finished the meditation, I'll go and do a pump it up because if I procrastinate and don't do it, I'm driving mm. around with a flat tire. Mm. So you have to have those things which sets you up for your day. Uh, and I can organize my whole day throughout my meditation, uh, just to 15 minutes in the morning. And I so, know. So you almost, uh, I guess the, this is the thing I'm trying not to beat myself up about and go, mm. and actually, I'm just, uh, it's okay to allow those thoughts yep. to come in. Yep, yep. And then you park them and go, okay, I'll deal yep. with that after. Yes. I'll deal with that yep. as soon as I finish my meditate mm-hmm. or at that point in the day, yep. whatever mm-hmm. that's, whatever that's going to look like. Because I mean, you've got, I've got such a, you know, I, as we've, I've launched a pod, the podcast is called Different Hats because I wear many different yep. hats and juggle yep. a load of different yep. things. So you get, I'm on that process of going, how do I calm that busy brain? And, yep. and, yeah. and it's something, it's the same with anything in, in life as you're alluding to, it's consistency. Yep. And that's what I'm trying to, I guess, yep. this mm-hmm. year is trying, yep. I'm, I've not found I, I've not made it perfectly. I no. don't feel I've meditated properly, mm. but it's not beating myself up about as long as I keep doing it on a daily basis. Exactly. And meditation, a lot of the time, uh, people think that you have to have a blank mind. But I always look at meditation as sitting on a platform with the trains. And the train will come in, uh, and say if it's your mortgage you're worried about paying, and it's the 2nd of October, uh, or the 3rd of October, but you're not paying your mortgage until the 28th of October. Mm. There's nothing you can do within that time. So forget about it until the 28th. But if you've got to get the, the kids to their uh, swimming class at 10 o'clock that day and you've got a Zoom call, you need to make a decision whether you're going to phone your boss and say, I can't make a Zoom call because of the kids' uh, swimming lesson is more important to me or the Zoom call is more important. So that that's the thought that comes in. You think, right, I need to deal with that today. So you leave that in the station. Whereas the, the mortgage, let it go do that on the 28th sort of thing and that's the thing it's i use meditation to organize my day yeah. not blank everything out sort of yeah. thing. so and and it helps calm because i'm the same as you i'm always thinking about right okay my wife says that i will never sit still i can't <laughs> sit still and i'm always building something or moving something or cutting the grass or doing this or going, oh, yeah running 100k <laughs> sort of thing so i'm always thinking about like my next step mm. and i use that as a meditation form so i can focus on how I'm going to get to that next step rather than frantically going how am I going to get to that step I can breathe and I can calmly think right okay if I want to get to that next step I need to phone so and so to be able to get so and so to do that and then I can organise this and then that's it that's all I need to do so that's my day uh, and that's the way I look at meditation that's a great way of looking at it yeah Yeah, you don't have to blank your mind if if you're thinking things and it's not important for that day let it go and that's it love that yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I tell you what. I, I, so one thing I wanted to chat to you about because this, despite obviously you know beating cancer, mm. as you have done, I listened to there was a TED talk. I, I wrote the name down. Um, Salika Zhao. It's on the um, the TED talks. Actually, on the Wolo website. Yep. And yes, talking about that life post. Yeah, cancer. Um, just keen to explore a little bit about like your mindset around that like after like you said after that cancer free and that thing because she alludes to the fact that it was a bit like almost felt how, how can I describe it she was almost a little bit like 
at that point during cancer she knew where she was and what she was doing and what do I do now yeah what do I do now yeah, like, yeah. I'd be keen to know you do you know? feel like that you really? I felt lost really? I felt because um, every day you've yeah. got, you're beating cancer every day that's your mm-hmm. goal you've yep. got a drive and you've yep. got a purpose and you've yep. got a thing yep. yeah. actually you're cancer free now mm-hmm. you've got yeah, is that I'll be really? Yeah, is that how you yeah feel? I'm not. I'm not Marcus with stage four advanced incurable cancer going to a hospice anymore, and, yeah, I, yeah. and um, I'm I'm just Marcus, and that's it. And now what am I going to do? And I'm no longer a builder because I've quit the building trade because uh, I wanted to focus on more helping uh, people through podcasts and yeah, sort of, uh, yeah. uh, working for Wolo and everything else. But I did come to a point where I was like. I even drove to the hospital one morning and when I was going to Eastbourne and I turned the indicator on my wife went where are you going oh yeah and I went, wrong way sort of thing because it was a Friday and I, and I used to have chemo like every other Friday type yeah. thing so it's like you almost get lost you almost have a, 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 like um, a club within that safe environment and the thing is when you've got cancer you don't have a fear of getting cancer because you've already got it. And that's the thing. But when afterwards, now, my day, every day of like, what if it comes back? What if it comes back? You know, so you've got that continuous fear afterwards. And it's almost like uh, someone said to me, because, oh, if I could, I'd have a scan every day. And it was like, yeah, you do feel like, oh, you know, I've got a little bit of a pain. What's that sort of thing? You know? yeah. Oh, yeah, it's probably because I've s- just shifted 25 tons of material <laughs> by a <laughs> shovel type thing. That's yeah. probably what it is. Or, or ran like 100K. So. Yeah. But you do have that lost point sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. But then I, I did, uh, I'd done a lot of talking with Justin and um, sort of Fleur and obviously my wife and everything else. And you know, it soon discovered where I was going, you know, and where I was actually sort of yeah. thing, and stopped. You know, I almost started to feel sorry for myself, you know, that pity sort of why me type thing. And then I was like, no, you don't need to do that, you know, because you're not a victim mentality, not anymore. You used to be before you got cancer, and then you got cancer and you quit all that victim mentality. You, know, you took responsibility, so take responsibility now, and that's what I have done. Think, so. Amazing, this look. It's, it's just so so inspired like I said every time I, <laughs> I have the opportunity to chat to you or I hear you talk or I listen to a podcast you've been on or um, or, or like I said just bumping into each other and yeah. just having a, yeah. having a conversation yeah. you, you constantly inspire me mate it's, it's, life uh, is so important uh, you know we, it's not until you get a diagnosis you realise how short it really is yeah. and, uh, and you have to grasp everything and it's like um, I like like a house brick say for instance if someone gave you a house brick that's your procrastination and it's okay for holding it for five minutes or ten minutes or fifteen minutes Mm. then it starts to get into an hour and you can feel your hand shaking and that's your procrastination because you haven't done anything about what you're supposed to do you didn't make that phone call you didn't go and see that person you're like I really need to put that down but you can't put that down until you make that phone call as soon as you put that phone call you put the brick down that's it and uh, until your next problem and then you'll pick it up again great okay I'm not going to hold this for an hour I'm going to put it down and I'm going to make the phone call I'm going to go and talk to that person and it's like the five second rule five four three two one go get it done because otherwise you'll be carrying that brick around and being a builder I know how heavy a (laughs) brick is over a period of time it feels okay when you first pick it up but then after a few hours of holding that out 
you do start to get the shakes. That way. So, so get things done. Well, look, we're going to, um, as we're coming towards the end, we're going to we're gonna finish again with uh, another life in 60 seconds. This is something, um, uh, the essence of the podcast, it says it on my T-shirt, that yeah. I'm trying to help the world, I guess, to see success differently. Mm. Um, so for this last bit, I just want to, uh, with where you've been, where you are now, and where obviously you're looking to go in the future, in a sort of 60 seconds, just tell me, how do you define success now? Uh, I defined success as not waiting around anymore. Uh, whereas I used to before being a builder, I was like, "Ah, oh, why me? It's not fair when I got cancer. And then like I changed that mindset to not be victim mentality. And now every day is an opportunity. Every day is uh, a dream setter. And every day, it's like Henry Ford said, if you believe, if you think it, it can be. If you think it, it can't be. You know, and it depends on how you have that mindset of switching, whether you take that as the truth and you can get there, or whether you take that as a negative and, oh, I can't do that. Because everyone can do everything. And all it takes is those steps to get towards your goals. And that's what I class as success is every day is a success just taking that one step Uh, and if you're comfortable you're not achieving so get out your comfort zone and do something different absolutely brilliant i love that i love that look what tell me then what with with all this that you said you you said you spoke to justin and fleur where what, what does the future hold for for Marcus Jarvis? Uh, the future is uh, I work for Wolo now part-time, uh, both me and my wife. Uh, and obviously I'm training as a Wim Hof instructor. Uh, so I'm hoping to help other cancer patients to install hope within them and just give like your best shot at everything you do every day, whether you're going through chemo or radiotherapy, whether you're feeling sick, nauseous or anything else, just get up and go for a walk down to the bottom of your garden or just go and sit on your step outside, get some sunshine, get some fresh air. Uh, and it's just installing that little bit of hope. And with like Wolo is obviously dealing with a lot of cancer families. I hope just to be that person that they can reach out to. Mm-hmm. And like I said, everyone needs a hand to hold everyone needs a shoulder to cry out everyone needs a person to rant at and that's what Wolo is there for and obviously I'm hoping to help other people in the future and just drive some like hope into people because there's not a lot of hope out there when it comes to cancer there's too many stats that says otherwise and just pushing that give it a go type situation don't give up because you're still breathing and that's what i found on the day that i was diagnosed i walked in there as marcus jarvis i got told that i had stage four advanced incurable cancer and i walked out of there still as marcus jarvis i just had different information and what i was going to do with that information so i just took a moment to breathe and focus on where i was going to go in the future and I was still breathing at that time. It's not as if I went in there, they said, oh, you've got cancer, and then that was it. I was gone, I was dead. I was still breathing. So it was almost like 
if I'm still breathing now with this information in my head, I have got that little bit of hope. And when they said that we'll put you on palliative chemo, I had that little extra bit of hope. So there was something there all the time. So And just holding on to that little bit of hope. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Um, I'm thinking, just to finish off, I'd love to think that your son's now eight. And yeah. that, uh, what, what does he, does, it, does he talk to you about? Can, yeah. have, you, have you talked to him about the cancer? Yes, yeah. What yeah. does he? What are those conversations like? What What is his thought? Because for, for me, looking at obviously my, my, my kids are eight as well. The twins yeah. are eight now. Yeah. I, look, yeah. I just think like the lessons that you must have taught him in these last four years yeah. mm-hmm. about life in general, about that he can achieve anything, whatever yeah. that looks like. Yeah. It's got to be incredible. No? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is. Uh, I remember an email we got from the school teacher of his that they were doing Heroes of the Day. And he actually stood up and went, my dad's a hero for, <laughs> yeah, choked me as well. <sighs> so I going through chemo and everything else. And he talks about cancer and he doesn't have any fear for cancer. Uh, and he knows that, you know, he eats well, he exercises well, we always go out skateboarding, bike riding, mountain biking, and, uh, like, swimming in the sea. He actually gets in, like, the the ice tub uh, with me, uh, sort of, like, for 10 seconds at a time (laughs) sort of thing. So, And obviously, like, heat exposure is another thing which we haven't touched much on. I had saunas three times a week as well to obviously detoxify uh, my system and help with that as well sort of thing so but yeah he understands about heat exposure about putting yourself out of the comfort zone uh not to be shy uh and just not procrastinate and he always like has a very open i've tried to teach well me and hannah my wife had tried to teach him to draw outside of the box you know, if a teacher says draw inside of the no, draw outside the box, think outside of the box. So, so he does. He comes up with some great ideas, sort of thing. So, so yeah, he's, he's an amazing kid. I must admit. What? Well, I knew when we spoke about, it, and I know we've been speaking about it. To- get you on for a little while and yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that you know I'll wait until we've I've rebranded and it's a new series of the podcast and yeah. I'll, I'll make just truly honoured to honestly to have you on and I appreciate and, you actually having me here and, right. and sharing this just wow just what an inspirational story that's going to help so many people and not just like for, for me on a personal level not not just even take cancer aside just the lessons that you've learned from your journey mm that people will be able to relate to every aspect of their life and whether it be in business, whether it just be your life in general or, you know, if there are listeners that are going through cancer as well and mm. they can take some, hopefully from this episode, the one thing that will be is hope and I yeah. think that's what you, you give yeah. so many people and no. uh, um, that's you. amazing. So I will obviously, I'll share your details yes. in, in, in the... In, in the no- the podcast notes and stuff and people yeah. hopefully can you yeah so if anyone's out. going for any information want any information or just a chat mm. you know my yeah please by all means share all my details 
Well, I'm more than helping, happy to talk to anyone and help anyone sort of thing. So, yeah. Mate, listen, thank you again. And, no, uh, thank you. Keep going and sharing your story because yep. it will continue to inspire loads of thank people. Thank you. Sure. Like I say, I've got a 55 miler coming up in December, which I'm <laughs> looking forward to running. Sort of thing, <laughs> and be, uh, right. So I, I am focused on uh, keeping myself in prevention mode and uh, staying one step ahead of cancer. Absolutely. So, yeah. Thanks, Sam. Thank I really you, appreciate it. Legend. And that, as they say, is a wrap. Mm-hmm.